I'm the best in the world at what I do. I've been the best since day one. On this microphone, in the booth, in my bed, I live it. I breathe it. I am it. Welcome to the Soldier. What up, people? Welcome to another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast, featuring the one and only Donnie Ooh, best of what he does. This week, your boy Donnie is in a real, real select mood. Like, I'm more... I'm not pissed off. Matter of fact, I'm pissed off. I'm ornery. I'm irritated. I'm aggravated. I'm all of the above. From what I saw this past weekend, from my beloved New York J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 and from the New York football giants, the shit just... Got me in my feelings. Got me in my bag, if if you will. Isn't that isn't that one of the sayings these young people say? <laughs> Look, I'm I'm actually embracing my old war shit. You know, I mean, I could even have you know, I could have little fucking little quips like, yeah, that's what the young people say. Because guess what? Donnie ain't fucking young. Donnie old like a motherfucker. And I actually. Don't mind that shit whatsoever. See, I'm about to start with a tangent. Anyway, yeah, what I what I what I saw this past weekend was utterly despicable, was utterly disgusting. And that mood has just progressed to the current state that I'm currently in. Actually, there's more to it. Um, I am always a open book with y'all as long time listeners know. And, um, without divulging too much, I'm actually going through a little bit, um, something on my personal side. Um, I have those that are close to me, uh, currently battling illness. So... I ask for your prayers and your support 
and um i'm quite sure they will fight through this i hope i pray that they fight through this so um yeah so that also has been weighing on me so i like i said i've been in a real effed up mood i was gonna have like a little psa at the beginning of this but then i was like nah i'll just add it into the intro um this is probably this podcast is probably gonna be a little bit politically incorrect so to speak i'm not gonna go too far <laughs> i'm not gonna walk off the plank but um just the way i'm feeling right now and this podcast normally doesn't have a filter anyway but this is gonna be a little bit more unfiltered so yeah please bear with me also i lost my freaking fantasy matchup but i'm not even mad about that you know and i'll get into that with this week's segment of donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing (laughs) yeah so what's on tap this week what's on tap on this episode is the following i'm gonna have the newest segment you know the latest segment of donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing then I'm going to segue into the New York J-E-T-S Jet Jet Jets and give them a lot of my fucking venom. And then I'm going to give my little thoughts on the Giants. And um, this week, I'm not even going to be trolling. I'm just going to give my little thoughts on, thoughts on the Giants and uh, adjust my win total that I previously predicted for the New York Giants. And last but not least, I am going to touch on the current situation in the NBA and yeah, I know I'm really trying to be more NFL centric and especially for the fact that the NBA is really, like I said, I was so tired of covering. I was so tired of watching the NBA for the last two seasons that I really needed a break, but guess what? They done poked their head out the fucking groundhog hole with the vaccination uh, question, the vaccination controversy um, concerning Kyrie Irving of the Brooklyn Nets, Andrew Wiggins of the Golden State Warriors, to name a few, um, due to certain city ordinances that are going on that will prevent them, if they are unvaccinated, from playing in home games. So that's half the season, at least. So I'm going to get my little thoughts on that. So uh, let's get this shit on the road. Without further ado, good night and goodbye. Bang! Yeah, this week's installment of Donnie doesn't know what the hell he doing. AKA, might as well say, Donnie's fantasy focus, if you will. <laughs> like I said, I lost my matchup this week. So for the season, currently, I have one win and two losses, but yet, I'm tied for first place 
in my division at a robust record, if I didn't just say it, of one and two. I guess because the rest of my division sucks. So that kind of gives me an advantage. Like, I think I said you know, I'm in the NFL preview, but who knows? A lot of people probably haven't listened to the NFL preview. But if you haven't, you could check out the archives. And the title of it was Donnie's Second Annual Half-Ass NFL Preview. Anyway, the way my fantasy league goes, it goes basically just like the actual NFL when it goes to playoff spots. So you get your seven spots, division leaders, and your um and your three wild three wild cards. So all I have to do is win my division. And I feel like I have a good chance of winning my division. The only slip up is once again, the way my league is set up or the way the league is set up that I'm in. They play their league throughout the regular season. That's with playoffs and Super Bowl included. So there's about, sure, I think this year is maybe like seven weeks where you're playing quote unquote double headers. You're playing two matchups per week. Optimum thing would be, of course, try to sweep the double headers. You sweep the double headers, you're no, it's a no brainer. You're like pretty much a, a shoe in to get into the playoffs. Now, at the very least, you have to split the double headers. If you split the double headers, you go 500. Shoot, let's say there's seven double, let's say there's six double headers. That's 12 games, right? I go six and six in those. I'm already one and two. Says what? Seven and eight with two games remaining. The way my division is stacking up, that'll probably have me in contention for the division at the end of the season. So that's my goal. My goal is to at least split these double headers. I'm probably getting way too too much inside baseball, but um, like I said, Donnie doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> anyway, so um. This past week, like I said last week, when it comes to me personally, when it comes to this fantasy football shit, my philosophy is I have to have the proper mindset. I have to have the proper thought pattern, the thought process. And what makes me know that I'm on the right track is the amount of points that I'm accumulating. Whether it's chalk or not, whether I'm having tied players or not, shared players or not, which in this case, this week, came back to bite my ass because one of my top point getters, my top point earners, I end up sharing. So therefore, I wasn't gaining any, I wasn't gaining any ground. And um, ultimately, I lost by seven points. But I garnered 140 points for the week. To me, even though that was a loss, that's my silver lining in that loss. 
that means that how I picked my players was good. I mean, like it wasn't like I was reaching. It was like, okay, I, I was I was making sure I was I was dealing with known commodities. So and like I said, my thought process is I go with the known commodities. And then maybe out of maybe one or two slots, I'll get out, which go I'll reach. When I reach, when I go for a sleeper, and then cross my fingers that my known commodities do what they're supposed to, so it comes down to my sleepers. Unfortunately, this week that came back to bite me in the ass, plus an injury to James White. I went against my gut. And picking a New England player. But like I said, or should I say, my fantasy OG, the Mojo King, said you have to put your personal bias, your personal fandom to the side. I felt New England going against New Orleans, New England with um, Mac Jones as the rookie quarterback, they're going to lean heavily on James White. And uh, unfortunately, he got injured. And that pretty much left a black hole in my lineup. Because to me, that was at least a guaranteed 15 points. I get that 15 points. Instead of me losing by seven, I win by eight. But um, like I said, so this is the second consecutive week I reached over 100 points. This is actually the second consecutive week I went over 120 points. So that means to me, my my thought process is on the right track. Sometimes the odds are just not in your favor. And the odds just wasn't in my favor. But I'm going to give you a little, I'm going to give you my lineup that I used and that I hit on, even though I lost. I was riding that boy Justin Herbert. I swear. Based on fantasy, I became a fan of his so much so. If I was younger, I would get a fucking Justin Herbert jersey. I ain't going to fucking lie. And I am a loyal fan of my team. That's not saying I'm rooting for the Chargers, but when it comes to fantasy, you best believe I'm rooting for the Chargers. I'm not rooting for the Chargers to win. I'm rooting for the Chargers to put up points. And my boy Justin gave me just that. He hit for 30 30.84 points. Damn near 31 points. Now, my running back, this is where I ultimately lost the matchup. Who was this? Williams. Williams from, from Baltimore. He gave me he gave me two points. I figured with Baltimore being the fact that the majority, if not all of their running backs, went down to injury, I figured. This would be Williams' chance to shine. And uh, he gave me 22 rushing yards. The aforementioned James White got taken out the game. I don't know what happened to him, but he only gave me six yards. So right there, my two running back positions, I only got 2.8 points, and I lost by seven. That's my matchup right there. Lockett, who was actually a lock. For the last two weeks, I went to the well 
one too many times, he came up dry seven points. Cooper Cup, my motherfucking MVP. My first year fantasy, or should I say my first year in the fantasy league, I rode Cooper Cup to an almost, an almost playoff berth. Last two years, through um, injury and so forth, he wasn't living up to his standards. But Cooper Cup, when I told you, I told y'all before, that boy is bad. That boy is bad. Him and Ro- him and Woods, and um, fortunately for the Rams, unfortunately for me, Jackson went off, but Cup still produced for me to the tune of thirty six points. My bad. 30.6 points. Can't ask for more, but my opponent also picked up. So that was a wash. So I said all that shit, and that was a wash. My breadwinner this week, and I went old school, or should I say, I went quote unquote expert and did a stack. Ooh. Donnie did a stack. Yeah. You know who I picked? I picked Mike Williams from the Los Angeles Chargers. Mike Williams gave me a robust 36 points. He had two touchdowns on seven receptions on hundred and garnered 122 yards. And he converted a two-point conversion. My boy Mike Williams is bad. Now... Forgive me if I'm getting the name wrong, but this is the salty thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast. This ain't the story, the salty stats of Donnie Ooh. But <laughs> anyway, I believe their offensive coordinator, offensive coordinator of the Chargers, I believe his name is Lombardi, if I'm not mistaken. He was also part of the staff of the New Orleans Saints, if not the offensive coordinator under Sean Payton. From what I read and heard, he wanted or he is instilling, installing Mike Williams in his offensive scheme to replicate Michael Thomas. With that information, Something told me, even though to me, Keenan Allen is the number one receiver, the number one option is going to be Mike Williams. Mike Williams is going to get a lot of targets. And the matchup, knowing that they're going in the arrowhead, knowing that they're going against the Chiefs, and that high-power offense is going to be a shootout. And I chose to stack Justin Herbert with who he was going to target the most which was Mike Williams, and it paid off. Just that combination gave me thir- gave me 66 points. The Holy Triumvirate gave me 96 points. Now, I went to the well one too, ma- one too, many, um, one too many times with Gronkowski. He only gave me nine and a half points. But still, for my tight end position, I can't really knock that. Because to me, I'm really struggling trying to trying to figure out who am I going to use, who 
who am I going to pick at tight end? AJ Green. AJ Green. Old man AJ Green. Something told me to take a hump. Something told me to choose him on a humble. And instead of second guessing myself, I said, you know what? Sometimes you just got to say, fuck it. And that's what I did. AJ Green gave me 19 and a half points. And my Jets, even though they got shut out, gave me four points. But do you know what team's defense my opponent chose? And what team's defense you can say actually, possibly, probably beat me? The Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals. He chose their defense special teams. He got 12 points for that. I got four. Normally, you get four from you get four from your defense, especially everybody's picking the cheapest defense possible. You take that and run with it. The dude that I was going against, you know, he took it and he, which card he lucked up. So yeah, like I said, I lost by seven points. Not mad, not mad at all. But um, it's funny because. This segment is slowly becoming Donnie does know what the hell he's doing. I don't know how that's happened. You know, uh, maybe it's karma coming back to bite me in my ass because quiet is kept. You know what this segment is? This segment is just a remix of Donnie doesn't know what the fuck he's thinking. <laughs> Donnie just remix shit and now he's actually contradicting himself when it's the segment. But um yeah. Anyway. So uh next week, I don't know. I not I didn't check the schedule yet, but I think I might have a double header coming up. And hopefully I don't overthink it. Hopefully I don't try to do some shit like, yeah, I'm just gonna put up two different lineups. No, 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 no. I do one and done. Just like my wife always says, one and done. One hit a quitter. The fuck out of here. Now, let me get to these mother effing jets. I told myself at the beginning of this season, matter of fact, the lead up to this season, going into training camp, that I was not going to get my pressure up. I not I wasn't going to get stressed. I wasn't going to get aggravated. I wasn't going to get pissed off. I knew what the season was. I knew what it was. All I wanted to do was see progression. All I wanted to do was see development. And through the first 3 weeks of this season, it totally feels useless. It feels like it doesn't even matter. The first game of the season against Carolina, okay, great. Show growing pains, but there was flashes. There was flashes. Like I said, I was even commenting on incompletions. Last week against New England, you take it, you chalk it up as 
opening day jitters, well, home opening jitters, a little bit too much confidence, and uh, yeah, you chalk it up at that. This week against Denver, in Denver, I'm watching the game, and um, I really started just feeling bad. And when I say I started feeling bad, I, I was looking at this team on my screen, and it was like I was watching a different sport. I knew it was football. I knew it was the NFL. They had jets on the on 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 the helmets, but it just didn't seem like football. I can't I can't explain it. Like, what are we doing here? Let let I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to give this segment some type of structure because my thoughts are all over the place. Quiet is kept. Matter of fact, it's not quiet as kept, it's a openly known fact. I do all this off the top of my head. I have bullet points, I try to meet them, but besides that, that's what it is. And when it comes to the Jets and their performance this last week, my thoughts are almost like matter of fact anybody knows that gif gif whatever you want to call it whatever you want to pronounce it however you want to pronounce it of um the hangover with the fat dude and he's supposed to be like you know going over the equations in his mind and they show it on screen that's what's going on right now in my head when it goes to these JTS just just jets and their performance this past weekend. I have I'm at a loss for words. But like I said, I'm gonna to try to give a structure. Question number one. Why? Why does this team, especially on offense, especially being the fact that you're heavily invested in your number two overall draft pick, your potential franchise quarterback. Why is there really no veteran leadership on the offensive side of the ball? Why? Why is there no veteran backup quarterback? That Zach Wilson, every time he goes to the sideline, he can bounce thoughts off of. When he's in the quarterback room, he can grill. He can be chastised by somebody who who will nurture him. Why is is this this gaping hole when it comes to veteran leadership on the offensive side of the ball? Let's go back. About at this point in time, what, 12 years ago? Mark Sanchez was the number five pick 
for the New York Jets. They traded up to get him. And we know what happened. But his rookie year, you know what the controversy was when it came to veteran leadership? It was twofold. One, Pete Kendall, all-pro offensive lineman, they felt he was too union strong and they wanted to get they wanted to get him out the locker room. Fine. But he was a strong veteran voice. Even more specifically, in the quarterback room, they had Mark Brunel, grizzled veteran, former all-pro quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars. They had him as the backup. The controversy was, why did you not have someone who could truly challenge Mark Sanchez for that position? Or why didn't you have someone who is definitely durable to back up Mark Sanchez? But, but, it was invaluable experience that Mark Sanchez garnered while Mark Brunel was the backup. Even though Rex Ryan used to say, well, you know, we got Matt Kavanaugh. We got Matt Kavanaugh. Matt Kavanaugh was the coach. He was not the quarterback. He was not playing. He was a former quarterback. But we had Mark Brunel. Now, we fast forward to uh, Sam Donald. When he came, when he got drafted, number three, by the way, three years ago, well, four years ago, I believe, you knew, you know who his veteran backup was? Josh McCown. Now, the previous year, we assigned Josh McCown. I don't know why, but we assigned him to be our starting quarterback. Now, going into this second year, Josh McCown willingly knew that he was going to be the backup. His job was to mentor Sam Donald for the tune of $10 million. Almost a playing coach, if you will. But, but, once again, you had Josh McCown, who is veteran, who is a, who, 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 which score I believe he had, quarterback for nine, ten different teams in the NFL. Played admirably in each one. He was never a star, but he was a respected voice in the NFL community. He was a respected voice in that locker room. Also, I don't I just I just don't understand it. We still had some veterans on the offense, but mostly it was Josh McCann. Now, do you know who our backup is? I believe it's James White. Who who is yet to throw an NFL pass in his career? Who do we have? Our offensive coordinator is 35 years old. 
First time in that position. First time playing call, calling plays. Our head coach is 40 years old. First time head coach. Was a defensive coordinator for what, two seasons? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not disputing their ability, but they are once again putting their prized investment in a position to fail. Why? Why? Do they not fucking learn from their mistakes? Over and over and over and over and over again. We get quarterbacks. We don't we don't fucking surround them with any fucking talent whatsoever. And then want to know why the results are the same. I guess my I guess my takes are too hot, so they so they call it the fucking fire department. It makes no sense. Look at the skilled players that we put on the field this past Sunday. Braxton Berrios, our leading receiver. Davis. How many fucking drops he had? We had the rookie Moore, Elijah Moore. Who got knocked out with a fucking concussion? Because probably, because he's playing out of fucking position. He should be the slot. This is who we put on the field. Fuck Mims. He he he's not going to support the quarterback. Cause right now he's in his feelings. Right now he's thinking, yo, when I get on there, it's my time to shine. That's probably why that's on the bench. We got fucking offensive linemen throwing that rookie quarterback under the bus. Well, you know, he has to learn how to get rid of the ball. Yeah, I understand that. But you don't go to a fucking media and tell them that. How about you fucking block somebody? Fucking turnstile. I swear, watching the fucking Jets offensive line, I see more turnstiles there than in my shoot job. You got the coach talking about, yeah, we had great practices. Look, look, that shit don't fly in the fucking city. I don't care about any of these great practices. Ain't translating on the fucking field. I told myself I was not going to get myself in this mood when it comes to these J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 mother effing Jets. But How many times I've been a fan, unfortunately, 
since 1982. Next season will be 40 years I've been a fan. Next year, I will be 46 years old. So what? Any mathematicians out there? What percentage of Donnie's life has he been a Jet fan? What? At least 90, right? Like I said, these are salty thoughts, not salty stats. I just looked at the time and I realized I done gained these mother efforts way too much of my time. So, what's a reoccurring theme on this new and improved edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Ooh podcast? Your boy Donnie took notes. So, we're going to go through the notes. Pretty much verbatim. Nothing easy in this passing game. No separation from the receivers. None! Zilch! There was... There's a video out, a clip from one of the plays. And of course, yeah, probably one of the receivers ran the wrong route. But they lined up three receivers stacked to the right of the formation. And they all did a five-yard curl. Almost like synchronized swimming. You know what my team looked like? A bunch of synchronized bitches. I, let me proceed. Mims and Crowder inactive again. Oh, matter of fact, let me read it like it was written. Mims and Crowder, inactive. Again! Wilson, still focused on short, well, still not focused on short checkdowns. There, I was watching, and I was watching NFL Live the other day, and Dan Olasky, for as many Whatever anybody thinks about him, I don't even know what the thought process is when it comes to him. I don't know. For some reason, when I first when he first jumped up on the scene, popped up on the scene, I used to be like, "Yo, who, who yo, who did they get? Where they get this stone to do from?" Because he just always looked like he just had a had a weekend bender. He woke up just doing some some which goes some uh, like what he thought was dress shit and got to the, got to the studio, but he was just nice with the teleprompter. And the more and more and more I've, you know, watched them on, on my screen, you know, I've, I've really come to appreciate his breakdown, especially at a quarterback position. Anyway, what he said was, um, I forgot. I think he was talking about in Mac Jones's case. What a lot of the experienced quarterbacks do, what a lot of the successful quarterbacks do, especially when it comes to their scheme that they're in, 
they look from long to short. What Mac Jones was doing was looking short to long. So a lot of times he never made it to his third progression, which was his deep threat because he already settled on the check down. In this case, I wish Zach Wilson would take a page out of Mac Jones's book. Because what Zach Wilson does is he looks long, he looks long, he looks long, he doesn't throw the ball away, and then he ultimately takes a sack. So while Van Rotten, I know his name is Van Rotten, Van Rotten was accurate in the depiction of what Zach Wilson needs to do, and which is mean, which means stop trying to play hero ball and get rid of the ball. Was it his place to put to put that in the atmosphere? He wasn't his face. I mean, his place to put that in the media sphere. Is media sphere even a word? Anyway, y'all know what the fuck I'm talking about. But um, Zach Wilson. On numerous plays, this is the third week in a row. I mean, the first drive, yeah, he was checking it down. There was no, there was no separation, so he's like squeezing it in, squeezing it in, squeezing it in, similar to the Lewis snapback box, only available in yours truly apartment, specifically in his bed. Um, but yeah, he keeps on squeezing into these small places, and eventually he's going to be inaccurate. And while that wasn't the case the majority of the day, there was no separation. So the times he's looking deep, there's no separation. And then he doesn't want to really force it deep. And then by that time, the protection done broke down and he didn't got sacked. I think there was a stat that I heard. In three games, he has gotten hit 25 times. He has got sacked 15 times and he has seven interceptions. The New York Jets have scored 20 points in their first three games. And I believe that's the third lowest total since 1976. Coincidentally, Joe Namers last year as a Jet. I believe. And I'm probably way off base when it comes to that year, but I'm sticking to it. Everything in the passing game is a struggle. Passing protection, not bad so far, yeah. What the fuck was I looking at? Oh, yeah, I probably was looking at this six-inch screen that I watched my games on because Sundays off are no longer for me. Ah, Davis with another drop. Too many careless penalties. Yes, there was one penalty in particular when they finally got into so-called field goal range and the field goal kicker actually made... I think it was 48-yard field goal. No, 51-yard field goal. And due to a delay of game penalty, they backed to the five yards and ultimately had to punt. And that was their last chance at points. So, yes, careless penalties. It's funny how Teddy Bridgewater was a New York Jet. Yeah, believe it or not. Teddy Bridgewater lasted four preseason games and one regular season game before he was traded to the New Orleans Saints for a second-round draft pick, which was a good haul. But think about it. 
Imagine if Teddy Bridgewater has been our quarterback for the last three to four years. Imagine if we would have been able to just put the resources that we had into surrounding him with talent instead of using our draft capital on not one, but two potential franchise quarterbacks. Two top five draft picks. Yeah, just food for thought. Teddy Bridgewater is currently 3-0 and with the Denver Broncos. We are on three with a total of 20 points. You be the judge. I believe the pass rush is getting to Wilson. Yes, it is. I started seeing happy feet. Not happy feet as in pitter-patter, pitter-patter, but not actually stepping into the pocket and not stepping into his throws. Everything was on his back foot. There was a lot of times that if he would have stepped into the pocket, it would have been more accurate. If he would have stepped into the pocket, he probably would have released it one time at the actual peak of the route. And that's what's causing him to be a tad late on a lot of his reads. And yes, that's a reoccurring thing. That's a reoccurring theme when it comes to Zach Wilson. He is still late when it comes to his reads. Numerous times he hasn't stepped in the pocket. A lot of throws off his back foot. Penalties, penalties, penalties. He was late on that throw that led to the interception. Moore is a slot receiver, but due to the Mims situation, he is forced to play outside. W-T-F. Van Rotten. Throwing the QB under the bus. Says Zach has to get rid of the ball sooner. How about you do your fucking job? Salah. Still holding on to the Mims excuse that he has to totally learn all three. Run it ride receiver positions and play special teams now okay let's just bottom line this fucking segment because like i said 20 some odd minutes for talking to these garbage motherfuckers talking about these bum ass motherfuckers is way too much time player of the week cj mosley with an outstanding hit at the goal line. Ultimately, Denver scored, but hey, a hit nevertheless. Go of the week. Michael Carter, running back. There was a perfectly thrown ball on a circle route that went right through his hands. He had multiple drops on this game. Yes, he did have 59 rushing yards. Yes, he still shows to be, to have the most potential to be a playmaker in this offense, but Rookie or not, these are the plays that you need to make. So, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We got 14 more weeks. No, 15 more weeks, 14 more games. So that's three and a half. We're not even the, at the end of September and my season is over. What the fuck? I don't know what I'm going to do. (laughs) 
I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to start. I'm going to just keep on being a fan. You know, uh, one of these years, like I said, hopefully before I leave this earth or before the earth leaves us, the Jets will make the Super Bowl. I, like I said, I'm not looking for a championship. Just get to the dance, baby. Just get to the dance. That's all I ask. That's all I ask. Does anybody out there that hears the sound of this voice that heard that little 20-second snippet of that beautiful tone? Does anybody know what that theme is? Does anybody know where that beat is from? <laughs> Anybody of a certain age might know what that beat is from. All right. I done spent a minute talking about this damn beat. That is pressure from Billy Joel. 1980s anthem. Pressure. And you know why I brought that to the forefront? Why I even made that a thing? Because I'm talking about the New York football giants. The New York football giants are 0-3. 0-3. I believe for the fifth consecutive year. 0-3. Like I said in the intro, I ain't going to be trolling the giants this week. I ain't going to be talking about I ain't going to be making no slick-ass comments. Matter of fact, I'm probably going to make a couple slick-ass comments. Like, who am I fooling? But, like I said last week, and like I did last week, the majority of things that I'm going to say is undisputable fact. Undeniable fact. Fact. The Giants dominated the first half. Against the putrid. Yeah, what up, brother John? The putrid. Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> and you know what the score was at the end of the first half? The putrid. Atlanta Falcons 7. The New York Football Giants 6. Yeah, that's right. 6 points. Not by a touchdown and a missed extra point. Not by a touchdown and a and a missed two point conversion. No, two field goals. I knew right then and there, watching this game, why I don't know because I guess I have nothing better to do in my life. I knew watching this game, watching that first half. Yeah, these Giants suck. These Giants are going to lose this game. Even though, even though the defense played good enough, they did lose 
Blake Martinez, I believe, for the year with an ACL, ACL tier. But let's be serious. Let's be real. Was Blake Martinez a difference maker with this New York Giants defense? They were 0-2 with him, right? They were 6-10 last year with him, right? I mean, speedy recovery. Best wishes. But he played no outcome. He played no part in the outcome of this game. They lost Sterling Shepard, and they lost uh, who the other dude? Slayton. Yeah, the guy that uh, dropped the touchdown tr- touchdown pass in Week Two against the Washington Redskins. So they were down two of their three top receivers. Yes, and they still was dominating the game. Fourth quarter. With the game. They were losing 7-6. They ultimately went on the touchdown drive, converted two-point conversion, and they was up 14-7. Yeah, I got stuck for a minute. Even then, something told me, Giants going to lose this game. Or even if they eke out this victory, doesn't really bring any hope. It shouldn't bring any hope to Big Blue Nation, Giants Nation, that um this team is actually going to amount to anything because they're struggling to beat the putrid Atlanta Falcons. So they went up 14-7. Now this is where the cookie crumbled. Atlanta's marching down the field. Two times earlier in the game, the New York Giants dropped gimme interceptions. Matt Ryan is washed. Atlanta is almost like the New York Giants South because instead of investing in their future, instead of investing their draft capital into a competent, potentially franchise quarterback, they decided, you know what we need to do? We need to just add more weapons and ride with Mac Ryan. And now they're one and two. On a treadmill to nowhere. It's similarly to what the New York Giants did in Eli Manning's waning years. And speaking of Eli Manning, and this actually has nothing to do specifically with Eli Manning personally. Actually, it does. But not in a bad way, not in a negative way. Sunday, during halftime, they were retiring Eli Manning's jersey. During halftime, The owner, John Mara, got booed. And you would think that would have lit a spark underneath underneath the team. You're right. What spark? What spark? The one thing you can truly say, Daniel Jones hasn't been the problem. He hasn't been the solution. But he hasn't been the problem. So I guess that's progress. 
But in reality, okay, I'm off track. So, fourth quarter, Giants up 14-7. The Atlanta Falcons marching down the field. Two back-to-back plays is the Giants' fortunes over the last decade. Pretty much a a microcosm of the Giants' fortune in in the past decade. With a chance to seal the game, Logan Ryan had his second dropped interception of the game. This time in the end zone with a chance to put the nail in the coffin. The next play, immediately following the dropped interception, we have pass interference in the end zone on third down to give Atlanta first and goal at the goal line. Right then and there, yeah, you knew they was going to punch that shit in. Tie game. The Giants, conservative as they are, did not take any amount of time off the clock, did not at least put Atlanta in a bad position field-wise. And Atlanta marches down the field to kick the winning field goal with triple zeros on the clock. I actually felt bad for Giant Faithful. Like, legitimately. I felt bad for myself for the fact that I wasted three hours watching this garbage. But for Giant Faithful, I felt bad. I'm not going to lie. My first inclination was to pick up my phone and to rub some salt. But I'm like, you know what? That's not what a brother does. At all. Because I know if that was me, I wouldn't want to be reached at all. So I put that one in my back pocket. But um, I feel bad. I feel bad. Because it's not like my beloved J-E-T-S Jets Jets Jets. It's not like they came into the season with lowered expectations. No. They came into the season thinking they were a potential contender for the NFC Least Crown. And now they're 0-3. Two games they lost at the buzzer. And looking at their schedule, these first three games were they winnable. They were all winnable. They should have been two and one at the least. Could have been three and one, three. It could have been three and zero. Oh. Because looking at the rest of the schedule, looking at the next five games, they have a potential to go zero oh and eight. Yes, zero oh and eight. Which isn't the first time they've gone 0 and 8. I remember a numerous times they've gone 0 and 5. Then they win a little two games in a row, especially when Eli was on was at the helm. And they're like, you know what? Maybe we can go on a run. 
I mean, this is see, this is the delusion. This is the delusion that needs to be held accountable. No, let me stop. See, I was about I was about to go in my old ways. I'm gonna leave that to the side. What does the where do the Giants go from here? I mean, can you think about changing the offensive coordinator? Yeah, that might be a drastic step. But if I was Joe Judge, you best believe I'll be thinking about that. Unless Jason Garrett's philosophy is really that aligned with the philosophy and with the thinking of Joe Judge. And if that's the case, then we have a problem. Or should I say, y'all have a problem. Not my fucking problem. My problem is the fact that I, for some reason, decided that I was going to give them extra attention this season, and I'm going to try to make a good-natured effort to watch all their boring-ass games. Because at least I can kind of find some type of happiness in their misfortunes. Because my misfortunes of my bum-ass Jets is just depressing. The misfortune of these bum-ass Giants is humor. <laughs> but yeah, I like I said, I don't know where, where y'all going to go. I mean... It has the potential to get ugly this coming Sunday in the Super Bowl. I mean, in the Superdome. They go down to the Bayou to go against the New Orleans Saints in their first legitimate home game of the season. First game in the Superdome since the hurricane that went through Louisiana. Emotions are going to be on high. And... It's going to be like the Roman Coliseum and the crowd chanting for a sacrifice. Down the hole. Dancing off the cliff. Hmm. But who knows? Maybe the defense can redeem themselves. Jameis is good for, for at least two gimme balls. You get a gimme ball like that, you never know. You never know. But um, this is interesting. This is very interesting. Interesting for y'all. Interesting for the listeners of this here podcast because they know I'm the one-stop shop for New York football giant. Or should I say New York football giant slander? <laughs> I know I ain't shit. I know that. Like I'm 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 literally at a loss for words. I mean, just just trying to come up with some with some positivity when it comes to these giants is fucking up the flow of my podcast. So you know what that means? That means Oh, there's one thing I did forget to say. I forgot to bottom line that giant segment by giving my new wins prediction for the season. Remember, during the second annual 
Donnie's half-assed NFL preview. I predicted the Giants were going to go 7-10 and 10 and out of the playoffs. Then, after, league, after week one, after seeing what type of dreck they were putting on that field, I lowered that shit down from seven wins to five wins. Seeing their next five games on the schedule, I've chosen to lower, yes, that's right, lower that win total down one notch from five wins and 12 losses to four wins and 13 losses. And guess where that leads them? Out of the playoff. Now, this subject I've talked about very freely in the past. I mean, shoot, a lot of my episodes last last year when um we had a pause for sports and a lot of us didn't know exactly when or what was going to happen the next day, the next hour, the next minute, the next week, the next month. I talked about the pandemic, the Rona, and now the vax. I've talked about people's thoughts. I've talked about my own personal status. I've talked about everything. I've talked about whether or not I believe in people's choice. I've talked about whether or not I believe in masks. Wear your mask. Wear your mask. I've talked about all that shit. One subject that's come up and been more acute, if you will, the last couple weeks leading up to training camp opening for the NBA has been the vaccination status of the NBA. And whether or not this person took it, this person didn't, this person should. My belief has always been, I understand those who don't want to get shot in the arm, who don't want to get stabbed in the arm. I totally get it. I understand the apprehension of getting stabbed in the arm. Over the last 18 months, you know, a lot of the conspiracy theories because remember before, they thought the Rona was the 5G. Now they're talking about the vaccine is the 5G. Whatever. But a lot of the, a lot of the asinine theories have been disproven. But as matter of fact, is, look, as long as the sun comes up the next day, there's going to be about a million and one more theories that birth themselves. And I'm not going to talk about the theories. Because I just not. The one thing I do respect, or the one thing I will respect of someone who chooses not to get vaccinated is when they have or when they choose to espouse their reasoning. Whether you agree with it or not, at least there's a discussion to be made. 
what I don't respect when it comes to people of a public nature is when asked about it, oh, that's a private, uh, that, that's private. Especially if they on record to say, I ain't getting it. Well, if you're on record to say, I ain't getting it, then it's technically it's not, it's not, it's not public. It, it's not private, isn't it? You went on record to say you're not getting it. Now that brings us to, matter of fact, it doesn't bring, bring, bring us to the NBA yet. But like I said, I personally, yeah, I, shit, I can't even hide behind and say, no, I didn't because shit's on record. Look at the archives. Made a whole fucking episode about it. Got stabbed and took a detour. Or should I say, I took a detour and got stabbed. Yeah, that's the name of the episode. Look it up. I also told y'all my reasoning as recently as a couple weeks ago of the fact that straight up, I'm pussy. I wasn't trying to get sick again. So that was me. But even though I, quote unquote, have this platform, you know, my platform, the social thoughts of Donnie, ooh, I ain't a public figure. I ain't a private figure. I ain't a public figure as such a, as a lot of these celebrities. And tell you the truth, I believe personally a lot of these celebrities are either getting the bag underneath the table to espouse their thoughts and they secretly got vaccinated or as I said in the past a lot of these celebrities have the means to top-notch care just in the case in the event that they catch the Rona or should I say they catch the Delta Rona which will probably be the Omega Rona by the time we hit 2022. The Alpha, the Omega, the Delta, the Beta. So I just feel like it's irresponsible for, you know, these public figures, these celebrities to say a lot of the rhetoric that they're saying and nine times out of 10, they done got stabbed in the arm behind the scenes and they got the bag for it and they got the bag for trying to dissuade you from doing it now when it comes to sports figures okay for instance cam not vaccinated fine his choice the reasoning behind how he's why he's choosing not to is the fact that he's trying to get more research and find out what the effects that it has to your body. And while that's the commonly known or the commonly claimed excuse, I'll give him this. Prior to the pandemic, he did go vegan. He changed his whole intakes you know, everything he intakes, he, he changed. Even foregoing certain medical procedures because he did not want, he did not like the effects that it did to his body. He's always been naturally big, but you can tell, you can see his, his frame 
has changed over the last couple of years because he's changed the way he's eating. He's changed all his eating habits. So I'll respect his decision because he's actually walking that line. What I don't respect are the ones that say this, but you're like, yeah, but you still, you still probably going to Mickey D's, right? You still probably going to get pizza, right? You still probably drinking these sports shakes, right? You're still taking that cortisone shot in your neck, right? So what's the problem? All right. So like I said, I I I, I pretty much went on an eight-minute tangent talking about whatever I was talking about. The subject of this segment is NBA Vax. Two plays in particular, three plays I'm going to talk about. Number one, I'm going to talk about Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets and Golden and Golden State Warriors own, unfortunately, Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing because uh there was things on social media saying that um Yo, if Andrew Wiggins was this aggressive about taking a shot, <laughs> he'd be a Hall of Famer. <laughs> I swear. The reason I'm going to talk about these two. Here I go with these hot takes. The reason I'm going to talk about these two plays in particular is the fact of the two cities in which do these two teams play, Brooklyn city of New York, and Golden State, city of San Francisco, those cities have implemented mandates stating that for all indoor arenas, indoor theaters, indoor restaurants, you must be vaccinated to enter. And that goes for the professional sports teams as well. Meaning, Golden State, well, Wiggins, would not be able to play in 41 home games. Toronto also has a similar mandate. So that's 42 games. Plus, when they come to New York, that's Brooklyn and the Knicks. That's 44 games. Now, breaking news, as of this morning, NBA spokesman came out and said that players who are not able to play NBA games due to the ordinances in those particular cities, and they're not able to play their home games, will not get paid. Kyrie Irving will be making over $400,000 per game. Times that times 41. That's how much he would be potentially losing. Now, there is a rumor out there that Kyrie is actually vaccinated or he was planning on getting vaccinated and he's just screwing with everybody just because. And I don't put it past him because I think there was footage of him sitting in a vaccinated area during a WNBA game as recently as two weeks ago. So either there's a controversy of why was he sitting in that section or the controversy is, why is he playing these fucking games? Now, after this segment, 
tell you the truth, I'm going to try to look for it while I'm doing this segment. But toward the end of the segment, I'm going to play a clip of Kyrie Irving talking about whether or not he's vaccinated, his certain status, and whether it's your business or not. And like I said, I understand that. What I don't understand or what people fail to understand is nobody's forcing anybody to do anything. Are they boxing you in the corner? Yeah. But they ain't forcing you to do anything. You have a choice. You have the freedom of that choice. But those choices have consequences. Period. In the discussion. Like here in my home state, in my home city of New York, at the end of the month, if, or should I say at the end of the week, because we're already at September 29th, at the end of this month, anybody who's in the, ho- who's in the health field, who is not vaccinated, will lose their job. I believe something similar is happening to the Department of Education when it comes to the teachers and and, and faculty and staff. If they are not vaccinated, they will lose their job. Now, people are like, they're they're forcing, no, 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 they're not forcing shit. They're giving you the choice. Do I want this job? Do I want to continue making this bread or am I going to have to get and find another form of occupation to get this bread and pay these bills? That's the choice. Nobody's forcing you to do anything. Is it the optimum choice? No, but that's the choice. Now, if someone is blessed with the sight of the future. You know, call me Donnie McFly. I saw this coming from a mile away. As soon as they start talking about vaccines, as soon as they start talking about, yeah, there's certain segments of the nation that just say, I ain't putting no mask on. Where your mask? I ain't putting a mask on. I ain't doing this. I ain't doing that. I'm like, yeah, all right going to get to a point they're going to start forcing y'all and boxing y'all in and talking about look yo this is how it's going to be and i'm not like i said i'm not going to say that was even part of my reasoning but i saw it coming unfortunately for where i work i saw it coming but then at the same time because of where i work i'm like yo i need all the protection i could get because i work around a whole bunch of Dirty motherfuckers. Straight like that. So, for the fact that I know I can't trust not Nanso that I work with or work around, I was like, yeah, your boy needs to get stabbed in the arm so I don't potentially bring anything back harmful to my family. Now, we have Bradley Bill Say, well, you know, he tried, he tried, which go, he tried to pin motherfuckers in the corner. It's like, well, you know, my thing is, I mean, I've had COVID before. And, um, is it 
not fact that if you get vaccinated, you can still catch COVID. I assume everybody here is vaccinated, correct? And I assume that there are people that have gotten vaccinated that have tested positive with COVID. So if I got it without the vaccine and I can get it with the vaccine, then therefore I need to do more research to find out what's going to happen. I just don't feel compelled to uh, inject that in my body because, you know, I already have the antibodies. <laughs> antibodies. Antibodies. Man, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to divert off the subject. If I remember after I finish this, then I'll, I'll give y'all a little quick answer though. But I'm like, dude, didn't you have, didn't you tear your ACL or, or Achilles or something? No, John Wall did the Achilles. But once again, the vaccine is not meant to prevent you from ever getting it. It can. In most cases, it does, but it's not 100% to prevent you from getting it. And I'm not trying to have this be a PSA for vaccine use. But I'm just saying, all right, you is lucky enough for you to, for you to have it and not have severe COVID. Okay, fine. And you're willing to take that chance again. Do you all right? You got antibodies, but do you not think that if you catch it again, unvaccinated, it's just gonna weaken whatever's been weakened prior? It's just meant to, it's supposed to mitigate you having to go to the hospital, it's supposed to mitigate you potentially die. That's what it's supposed to do. Do you have side effects? Yeah, everything has fucking side effects. Take too much aspirin, my stomach burns. Drink too much, my liver dries up. Smoke too much, my lungs dry up. Everything has side effects. I got a fucked up neck and back. Pinched nerve. Probably a fucking disc that's, that's, that's deteriorating. Arthritis in the neck. I take a muscle relaxer. Guess what else it does? Guess what the side effects is? Puts my ass to sleep. Wake up, back hurting again. Who knows what kind of effect it did to what the other organs in my body. That's another reason why I say, fuck it, I'll get stabbed. You know how much fucking medication I've been taking over the years? I didn't do no... I do the, the most basic of research. Like, I have this neurologist I go to, right? Um, Russian broad. And they which go they 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 prescribe some cream for me. And I'm like, yo, what the fuck? This is not no aspirin cream or anything. Just came in a white bottle with the, you know, with the prescription label. So I read the prescription, couldn't pronounce it, spelt that shit on Google, looked it up, saw what it was, and I'm like, Okay, well, so it's everything that I usually take all mixed in one. Fuck it, I'll take it. And it works, work like a charm. But that's my basic research. And that's what all these dudes are doing, basic research. I gotta do my research, I gotta do my research. Fuck out of here. Like, 
You have a choice. You have a choice. Choose not to take it. Forfeit half your salary. Be potentially ostracized from your team. That's the choice. Like I said, I just don't understand people's. I mean, and then you and then you got Andrew Riggins um, filing for a religious exemption. What they fail to realize is the NBA has no control over what they could be exempt from because it's not the NBA's law. It's not the NBA's rule. It's the city. It's the state's rule. And they can't overrule the state. Think of going back to celebrities and maybe, maybe I shouldn't mention this, but it's just something that's been nagging at me a little bit. Either way, some red tape was was cut. Going back to the verses between Dipset and the Locks, right? SP is an advocate of anti-vax. And I'll give him credit. He's been a man of his word, as in, look, he's been talking about just boost, boost your immune system before pre-pandemic. He's been vegan for years now. I can't even remember the time he wasn't vegan. But in Madison Square Garden, they've had an ordinance since May, since the playoffs, that uh, you have to be vaxxed to be inside that building. That comes from Jim Dolan himself. Yeah, that silence is because, hmm, either they look the other way and let them and let everybody on stage, or somebody was vaccinated. Now, remember, not too far after that, Jim Jones came up positive. Meaning he probably was carrying while he was there. So that lets me believe, that lets me know, yeah, either someone was lying or some red tape was cut. But that's before it got mandated by the city. So that's probably where the loophole went. That's probably how they slid through. But yeah, like I said, y'all gotta be be watching out for these people, man. Keep on telling y'all. Everything that is said is not true at all. But like I, I don't I don't totally got way off, but what it boils down to is this. And I and I've actually had a much more unfiltered version of this segment that I chose not to upload. I'm letting y'all behind the behind the curtain of the land of ooh. So I'm that's why I'm kind of piercing my words 
because a lot of things that I want to say, even though, yeah, it's my fucking platform and I could talk exactly how I want to, I'm choosing not to just for discreetness. Because, like I said, I just, I ain't walking off the plank at all. But like I said, the bottom line, this is Kyrie acting like some type of martyr. And let me find, and then it comes to find out that either he's going to be, he's going to go against his principles or he's going to give up about $18 million. Now, if he gives up $18 million, I salute that man. Wouldn't be me. I salute him. Because he'd be a man of his word. He'll stand by his principles. I'm not even going to get into the KD and James Harden aspect of, yeah, evidently by them being there at the press conference, they got vaccinated. I'm not going to get into the fact that the Nets feel like or act like they're afraid to say anything to Kyrie or speak about Kyrie because they're afraid that KD is going to be in his feelings and get up and leave. But, yo, he done already put pen to paper. Yeah, I know it, it, it'd be fucked up business-wise, but, yo, y'all got to let it ride. Got to let it ride. Y'all got to do what's best for your franchise. Because evidently, Kyrie don't give a fuck about y'all. Kyrie gives a fuck about himself, which is his right to. But when he wants to proclaim or try to act like he's holier than thou, and he's blessing us by talking to the plebeians, for the peons, to the to the to the fucking uh, pissants. That's where I take an issue. That's where I take an issue. But um, listen, the NBA season tips off in about two and a half weeks. Preseason games was starting probably, probably about a week and a half. I haven't checked the run up. I haven't checked the schedule. And tell you the truth, I haven't really been that engaged in the NBA. But for those who are or looking to be more engaged in the NBA, you know where you can check? You can check the Baseline NBA podcast. Baseline NBA podcast on all streaming platforms. And I'll give a further plug later on in the fucking podcast. But yeah. Once the preseason starts, you're gonna he's gonna have to show his hand. He's gonna show up or he's not gonna show up. KD said he had all the confidence that when the time is when it when it's time, Kyrie's gonna be there. And for KD's sake, I hope so. Because Kyrie ain't a little boy no more. He's not a child. He's 29, 30 years old. And these games that he's playing and that us, the public, and the media are allowing him to play has to stop. That's why That's why, even though I'm about 25, a brisk 25 minute, matter of fact, 25 minutes in my older days, well, my younger days, a 45 minute walk, a 20 minute drive to the Barclay Center, it will always be Fuck the Nets. The gentrification Nets. Always and forever. But this is one of the reasons why I just can't rock with them. Just can't. Oh, yeah, by the way, 
My New York Knicks, 100% vaccinated. They ain't playing no games. They were trying to beat y'all with 100% effort last year, and now, now they beating y'all with 100% vaccination. Dude's going to come to the guard and miss the start playing. Nick's going to be ready to pounce. Tim's like, nah. We taking every advantage. We are not leaving any stone unturned. Wow. I done spent a half hour talking about this shit. Hopefully y'all enjoyed it because it looks like I'm about to reach like 90 minutes. And I, I told you, I ain't trying to go over 90 minutes. So. Participate with practices on October 13th with your vaccination status. Uh, I'm just going to keep all that uh, private right now. And is the prospect of possibly not being able to play home games something uh, that weighs heavy on you right now? Uh, again, anything that's to do with my status, vaccination, I'm just going to keep that private. You know, it's a personal matter, so I'm going to keep it personal and private. Every player, every person in this world is going to make their own decision for themselves. Um, I would like an explanation to Bradley you know, Bill. people with vaccines. Why are they still getting COVID? If that's something that we are supposed to highly be protected from. Like, that's funny that oh, it reduces your chances of going to the hospital. It doesn't eliminate anybody from getting COVID, right? So everybody, is everybody in here vax? I would assume, right? So you all can still get COVID, right? Okay, but you can still get COVID, right? So, and you can still pass it along with the vax, right? I'm not asking, I'm just asking the question. These clips are courtesy from brother from having another, it from Peacock. Change your opinion one way or another, like that it kind of reemphasize that it means the vaccine. No, 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 no. That didn't. That wasn't the case. I mean, yeah, I had it, but that doesn't mean I can't get it again. You know, I mean, it's no different than somebody with the vaccine. Like I can, yes, I developed antibodies for it, so. My chances will be less likely now as well, right? But still a possibility. I may get it. Just like there are players and coaches and staff who are vax and missing camp right now because of it. So. <laughs> Man. Yeah. Bottom line it. Everybody has a decision to make. There's a choice. Everybody got a choice. Choice is yours. Honestly, I, I like to keep that stuff private, man. I'm a, I'm a human being first and Kyrie obviously Irving. living in this public sphere. Um, it's just a lot of questions about what's going on and, you know, in the world of, of Kyrie. And, and I think I, I just uh, would love to just keep that private and, you know, handle it the right way with uh, my team and uh, go forward. You know, obviously, I'm not able to be present there today, but it doesn't mean that I'm, I'm putting any limits on the future of me being uh, able to join the team. And I just want to keep it that way. So please respect that. You know, my privacy. <laughs> the world of Kyrie. Yeah. The world of Kyrie. And we just live in it, I guess. <laughs> not I. Well, 
That brings us to the end of another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Oo podcast. As always, I would like to thank each and every one of y'all that chose me to be the or one of the podcasts y'all chose to listen to. So thanks a bunch, salute, and all the other good stuff. I'm actually shocked that I didn't go over the line. Actually, I did go over the line. But y'all never hear the part that I went over the line at. Well, that brings us to the end of another edition of the Salty Thoughts of Donnie Oo podcast. Once again, as always, I would like to thank each and every one of y'all that chose me to be one of, if not the, podcast y'all chose to listen to. So as always, thanks. Thanks a bunch. Salute and all the other good stuff. Next week will be a continuation of this long drek toward the end of the NFL season. But unfortunately, we're only going to be at week four of 17. So I will give y'all an update on the misery of my J-E-T-S Jets, 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 Giants. And actually, I probably will get into more of what's going on around the NFL. Not a guarantee, but that's what I'm going to try to do. And I will definitely give my thoughts on my amazing New York Mets and the total disaster they ended up being this season. I think they're at 75 wins with about five games left to play. Huh. Yeah, I'm... I, listen... When I get to them, and I'm going to get to them next week so I can just brush them under the rug and throw them out with the rest of the trash. I mean, I, I they, they're lucky I was so preoccupied with the NBA going into the middle of July and then the run-up to this very disappointing beginning of the NFL season that I just chose to neglect them. And maybe that was their way of saying, you know what, Donnie, you didn't give us no, you didn't give us no, no attention. So this is what you got. No, this is what I got because that's what y'all are. But yeah, I just spent way more time talking about those cocksuckers than need be. <laughs> Listen, I, I just realized that this actual episode wasn't as over the line that I thought it was going to be at the intro. So that's why I just decided to throw that out there. I'm not going to repeat it, but yeah. So apologies, but y'all was pre-warned. So I feel myself going on a tangent. I'm feeling myself going to ramble. And normally that means it's the end, but I can't get out of here before. Hick on the plugs! Salty thought. <laughs> Fuck. I ain't doing this shit over again. Easytree.me slash Water Donnie Ooh. Easytree.me slash Water Donnie Ooh for everything Donnie Ooh. This podcast you're listening to can be reached at Easytree.me slash Water Donnie Ooh. Salty Dots Donnie Ooh merch can be bought at Easytree.me slash Water Donnie Ooh. 
And for those who actually want to hear Donnie U spit, you can listen to my tracks at easytree.me slash Donnie Ooh. Shout out to the Black Wrestling Podcast. The homie Cal, Brother Fam, Math, Drip. Shout out to y'all. Check the homies out on YouTube. Subscribe, like, trust me. When I tell y'all the things that y'all, the things that y'all can gather, the gems that y'all can receive, if y'all choose to tune into the YouTube, subscribe, like, all that other good shit, trust me, be well, more, well worth your while. Especially if you're a wrestling fan. If you, even if you're not a wrestling fan, the pure comedy <laughs> that these dudes come up with. And it's not even like coming up with, it's just, listen, I can't even do it justice. So just check them out. Especially this past week's episode entitled, Hey Archie, I'm not even going to do the impersonation because, look, I ain't a shark biter. But check them out. Shout out to the 19 Media Group. Shout out once again to the 19 Media Group. Shout out to my fantasy og mojo king his podcast is about to drop the hidden gems a fantasy golf podcast one that he spoke about during his appearance and one that i'm speaking about right now give him support check him out well worth your while even if you're not interested in golf i'm quite sure there's some strategies you can apply to other facets of fantasy sports Listen to the Baseline NBA Podcast, also part of the 19 Media Group. Baseline NBA Podcast, part of the 19 Media Group. This week's episode, they will be giving their annual Western Conference preview. In the description, reads as follows, because I ain't fucking this one up. Our annual conference preview is up and it's so hot that you might that it might get you teared up the way I host break down the west why am I acting like I'm illiterate my bad who are our picks to come out the conference who is poised to make the biggest leap who have I lot who are our lottery teams they cover it all download and discuss with them the NBA Baseline podcast available everywhere where podcasts can be listened to. I swear this is becoming a weekly occurrence of me chopping up and me butchering these fucking plugs. But please, no matter how much I butcher them, when I give you all that information, please check them out. Support, support, support. Everything is about support around here. And I give my undying support to those or things that I believe in personally. I ain't just going to say, yeah, check this out because, because I ain't getting shit from it. So just, you got to trust me. You got to trust me. Oh, one more plug downtown sports, downtown sports with my boy, Jonathan Periente and his, and his co-host, the mouth of the South. They're probably getting into the Yankee, into the Yankees, uh, lead up to hopefully getting this 
wild card berth. But regardless, if they're talking about the Yankees or they're talking about their Giants, listen to Downtown Sports, Jonathan Perriente. Also available most places where podcasts can be reached. Damn. Yo, these shits are becoming fucking tiring. Ooh, fucking exhausting. But I'm at the end. And I ain't going to draw this shit out any further. So I gave you our rundown of what's coming up next week. And as always, peace, love, and soul. Goodbye. Bye.